podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us in this weekly podcast entitled Remote Video Conferencing with NASA, Taking It to the Field. I think many of you are going to be very interested in this topic. We don't often have an opportunity to have a NASA representative with us, and we're very lucky to have Greg Pitzer with us here today. Greg, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Some of you may know Greg's work and involvement with NASA. He, in the last three years, has been working with NASA, and his title is Digital Learning Network Coordinator. And before that, he was working a decade or so with uh, middle school science and technology teachers. So you have, a, I'm sure, a great wealth of experience working in middle school and then also now working with NASA. It must be very exciting. Oh, yes, definitely. I'm a teacher by trade, and then now I get to teach students via video conferencing. So I definitely enjoy using both aspects of my background. Great. And I know you work for the NASA Ames Research Center. Where actually is that located? Ames Research Center is located in Silicon Valley, California, just uh, south of San Francisco, about 40 miles. Okay, that's a great place to live. Oh yes, it's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> That's great. First, I think it would be important, I'm sure people are interested in learning a little bit more about your job. Uh, your title is Digital Learning Network Coordinator. Could you describe what that encompasses? Yes, there are 10 uh, digital learning network studios across the country, one at each of the NASA centers. And the coordinator is responsible for both designing and planning and delivering content via video conference for primarily K-12 education. We have each center has their own special attributes that they focus on as far as research and as far as uh, mission development for NASA. And each coordinator is, is responsible for developing content related to those uh, strengths at each center. Excellent. Yeah, you said there are 10 centers? 10 centers, So yes. they're all around the country? That's correct. Okay, great. I know we were talking before the podcast and you were giving me a lot of information about some very exciting projects that you're working on with schools. Could you describe and highlight some of the most popular ones or the ones that you're enjoying the most? Um, yes, we have uh, several programs we like to do that involve going out into the field and kind of taking advantage of some of the unique resources that NASA has. We sort of have a phrase of doing video conferencing as only NASA can, in the sense that there are some very unique research opportunities that truly only NASA is involved in. A couple of them that we uh, want to focus on, that we parts with video conferencing, is one is Desert Rats, which uh, takes place out in the desert in Arizona, where we have scientists and engineers uh, go, testing out how to live and work in on another other surface, such as the moon or possibly Mars, um, testing out rovers, spacesuits, seeing how to move around in those, how we can manipulate and do research in those uh, environments. 
So we have we go out to the desert to uh, test these tools out, and we also set up a video conference connection out there where students can actually talk to the researchers and scientists out in the field and learn exactly what they're doing and kind of experience live what's what's going on in the research environment there. The second one is sort of the opposite of going in space is going deep down underwater, appropriately named Nemo. And there are uh, astronauts and scientists who live in a habitat about 20 meters underwater um, off Key Largo. And they, they practice lear uh, learning what it's like to live in an enclosed habitat, some of the challenges that, are, that one has to deal with. And hopefully the idea is that will prepare them and let NASA learn what difficulties we can expect when we go to space and have a large number of people living up in space. And students are also able to talk with these scientists and astronauts via video conference as well. Excellent. You also mentioned about Spaceward Bound. Yeah, Spaceward Bound is a unique uh, program that we run every year, often several times a year, where we take teachers out to the research sites. We have several sites that are Mars analog sites, sites that we believe are very similar to what we what Mars might be like. One example might be the Atacama Desert in Chile, which is known as one of the driest places on Earth. And we, the idea is to be able to look for life out there or what types of life might be able to survive in such extreme environments and that will hopefully give us a good indication as to what kinds of life we might be able to find on Mars. So scientists go out there several times throughout the year and they do research look on these topics and about a year ago we were able to take about 15 teachers out there to do research alongside the scientists. Now this involved um, several things. One, there was absolutely no infrastructure at, in the Atacama Desert. We had to uh, set up everything from our shelter to bring in power, to bring water, any kind of communication equipment needed to be set up. So there are definitely uh, several challenges. Um, but once we had those challenges, once we overcame those, those challenges, teachers were able to communicate back to their schools, share with their students, their community, what they're doing out in the, in the Atacama Desert, and have a uh, conversation with the students and really be able to show them exactly what they were doing firsthand. There must be some amazing challenges to broadcasting remotely like that. What are some of those challenges? A couple of them I kind of mentioned. Basically, having set up this infrastructure out in the middle of a desert, um, we've gone to several places, one being the Atacama Desert. We've gone, we have a research station in the Mojave Desert as well. We've been to Arctic, to Spain, and some other locations as well. And the main thing is there's, there's four basic things that one needs to have to have a successful video conference experience. One would be uh, transmission, be able to transmit uh, information in some format back to your main studio. So some, you know, often this is done via satellite, but there's a variety of different ways there. Another aspect you need to be aware of is power. You need some way of having power, a power source out there whether it be via generator, battery-powered, solar-powered, some, some way of getting energy to power your electronics. The next one is a video production equipment. You need to have some type of way of producing the video, whether it be just uh, straight camera shots, whether it be uh, mixing pre-recorded video, microphones, etc., to uh, have a somewhat professional video experience. Now, being out in the field, 
there's definitely certain elements you cannot eliminate based on the environment. You don't have an enclosed stu uh, studio environment like you might normally have back in the, uh, at the at a research center. So there are certain aspects you can't control, but as much as possible, we like to have as much tools as possible to deal with any uh, unforeseen environmental issues. And the last last issue is uh, studio coordination. Always like to make sure you have some method of being able to coordinate back with your studio. Often the studio will make the connections to the schools and connect you out in the field. Studio can help make sure all the connections to the schools go smoothly, that all technical issues on the land side back in the studio and the, are, are fine. And have, uh, poss there's always an issue that you might lose your transmission, so you always want to have subject matter experts available in the studio to take over the broadcast while you regain your, your transmission. You want to you know, have as much coordination as possible between the studio and out in the field. And you alluded to the different methods of transmitting the video. What are some of those methods? There are a couple different ways depending on the environment. Um, obviously, there's a variety of different ways based on whether we're going up 20 meters underwater or up into the uh, mountains. We've been up in Lassen National Park or out to the desert. The desert rats, which is out in the desert in Arizona, and, uh, and Nemo actually do use a similar method of transmitting. They have a point-to-point -point transmitters up in Arizona. It goes from mountaintop to mountaintop down to the desert where the research station is set up. They're able to kind of beam the, the network signal from one transmitter to the other back to a, uh, to a ground station where it can finally uh, enter the, the main internet. On the Nemo side, it's a similar type of process. So there's a large buoy kind of sitting, floating on top of the water right above the research station underneath. And on that buoy, there is the generator and also a transmitter receiver that can send data back to the land based station on Key Largo, which will then interact and sends a signal further on to the mm -hmm. internet. Mm -hmm. So, those are a couple ways we do it. The other way is satellites. And with satellite technology, definitely improving. You know, year by year, there's some new ways that we can do satellite transmission in a viable, portable manner. In the past, we were limited. We used an MRSAT system that was limited to about 128 kilobits per second or 256 kilobits per second, which was below what well, the ideal video conference rate. We tried when we do video conferencing, we try to get 384 kilobits per second in both directions. So obviously the video quality was um, slightly degraded and it was definitely a lot, lot more difficult to do two-way um, video interactions with the MRSATs. But it was a way to send a signal back um, and do some webcasts in that way. Down the, we went down to the Atacama Desert. We were fortunate to have about a four-meter satellite dish that used the, used the KU band to transmit. And we were able to get a lot higher transmission rates of about one megabit per second in both directions. Disadvantage was this is a large piece of equipment. The technical setup was uh, substantial, and the equipment itself probably took about 15 or so large hard-sided suitcases. So now the, the next uh, format that we've been trying with the satellite dishes. This is the most recent one that we've been we have not actually used out in the field yet, but we've uh, tested out and I've started to uh, lo we're looking forward to using for a future remote broadcast is the VSAT system. The VSAT system is nice that it's only a 1.2 meter wide dish, so it is relatively portable. It can be shipped from one location to another fairly easily. 
it can have uh, fairly high transmission rates, approximately 768 kilobits per second in both directions with uh, fairly high reliability, which makes it very appropriate for doing video conferencing. We can be fairly certain that we're going to get a high quality video signal that will work and be able to transmit from pretty much anywhere in the world. We do have to have, be able to hit a satellite, you know, in Antarctic, Antarctica and in the Arctic is definitely a little more difficult, but in this little world we can um, use this system with a variety of different satellite providers. You obviously have access to incredible technology <laughs> in that respect. Very cutting edge. That is nice. When We do have engineers back at the research centers, NASA research centers, who we can go to and say, we need a system designed to do this and this and that. You know, can you help us out? And we can, we can't, we do have access to custom design systems, but a lot of what we do use can be then carried, used by any commercial or other educational uses as well. We try to make things that, we use solutions that can be used in the uh, rest of the world. Excellent. That's great. I'm sure the teachers and students with whom you've been working have experienced great benefit from the projects. I mean, they sound so exciting. Can you give us a breath and scope of what type of benefits they've realized? Definitely. Um, the main focus of these video conferences obviously is educational. Uh, that's our primary use here as a digital learning network is as, as an educational institution. The teachers are able to actually go out and experience how scientists do research. It's one thing to do, you know, study and read about a particular topic, maybe watch a video about how scientists do research. It's a whole other thing to actually do the research out in the field. And so the advantage is, is these teachers can go out and do that and take that knowledge back to the classroom. They can talk to their students about exactly how research was done. They can share what they did. We had a, one teacher actually go back to the classroom and recreate a sort of remote environment, taking several of his students out into the forest and where they kind of lived in an isolated environment away from the rest of the culture for two or three days and did research on that immediate forest environment there and showed kind of students how research is done. And this allows students also to kind of get a feel of what research is all about, kind of get a, uh, their hands wet as far as whether they want to go into research, what's involved in research, what are some of the cool things they can do um, with science. Hopefully, it gives them a kind of a advantage of where they might want to go in the future as far as their careers. Excellent! How exciting! Uh, teachers and students who are working with you are truly lucky, and I'm sure there are people in our audience who would like to connect with you or find out more information of how they might possibly be able to get involved in some of these projects. And so, could you share with us some contact information or a website or URL? Definitely. There are a couple of ways you can learn about the Digital Learning Network and the opportunities we offer. One is our website, which is dlndigitallearningnetwork.nasa.gov. You'll see a list of all the programs, including our regular events you can sign up for as you wish, or our special events such as Desert Rats and Nemo. Space we're Bound can be found at the website quest.nasa.gov. And there's some, there'll be a link there to the Space for Bound expeditions that teachers can look into and see if they wish to participate in a future one. Personally, you can get in contact with me if you have some questions. My email address is gregory.e.pitzer, P-I-T-Z as in zebra, E-R, at nasa.gov. And you're welcome to email me, and I look forward to hearing from everybody.
Greg, thank you so much. It's very exciting to hear about these projects, which a lot of us were not even aware were available. So thank you very much for thank joining you. us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And if you would like to get in touch with me or learn more about USDLA, please don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, check us out on our website at www.usdla.org. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.